Hi, I'm Sophie Marie Odom, Lifestyle Magazine's editor. And I'm Samantha Rank, Broadcaster and Disability Rights Campaigner. And welcome to the Motability Lifestyle Pod. In this podcast, we invite all our friends from the disability community into the studio for a conversation about how we can all live our best lives, particularly when navigating a disabling world. Today, we are joined by two guests, no less. Mike Newman, who broke multiple world records in blind racing, and together with John Galloway, he set up the charity Speed of Sight to give other blind and disabled people a chance to experience the life-changing thrill of moving at speed. I mean, my wheelchair goes up to six miles per hour and I feel like an absolute speed demon, so that is right up my street. And of course, reason to be cheerful this week, and uh, Matt is back with plenty more car chat. Hi, Sam. Hello, my darling. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. I am plodding on. I am. No, I'm good. Good, good, good. I have a story this week, which I think will make you really happy. Can you guess what it's about? Um, it's either going to be about Buffy or cats. So it's cats. Yay! I'm I'm a simple woman. What can I say? Easily pleased. Well, let me tell you about this story. So Zebby, a two-year-old black and white cat from Derbyshire, was named Cat Protection's National Cat of the Year as he alerts his deaf owner, Genevieve Moss, to sounds around the house. He cleverly does this by tapping her to alert her to noises like the phone or the doorbell ringing. But he wasn't even trained to do this. He's just a very intuitive cat, it seems. See, this is why I love cats. See, my Bruno taps me, but it's normally to say, Oi, woman. (laughs) give me more food or cat nibbles. Funnily enough, I actually know about this story because I had the absolute pleasure of being a guest at the National Cat Awards. I am one of the Cat Protection's advocates, so I I kind of help out and share the beautiful work that Cat Protection does. And I was at the awards, it was a fabulous night and it just reinforces, you know, what I already know and what so many pet owners know is that cats are so integral to our culture and community and health and well-being. I mean, Zebby could also, as well as alerting Genevieve to the noises like the, the phone and doorbell ringing, he also picks up mail from the doormat and carries it in her mouth to <laughs> his owner. Is it this or big, slippers. It is so good. I mean, but I am actually trained, clicker training one of my cats at the moment because he's far too intelligent for himself and he was getting bored essentially and I started doing clicker training so he knows commands like a dog. I mean that's amazing maybe it's my ignorance but I didn't know you could train cats like that I thought it was dogs that you could train but I didn't know you could train cats. I actually watched a little video saying you know it's interesting that cats actually have boundaries and it's funny when someone says oh I'm not a cat person essentially what you're saying is I don't like when people set boundaries around Mm. me or say no to me Mm. because that's exactly what cats do. And just a reminder to our listeners for those who don't know why Lifestyle is an award-winning magazine and um, we had an issue of lifestyle magazine where we spoke about why animals specifically dogs are superheroes but we did talk about other animals like cats mr london meow have you ever heard of mr london no. meow he's a therapy cat who goes into london hospitals to offer therapeutic care to patients we also wrote about charlie the donkey who goes into care homes and hospices and rabbits and even an owl oh, as well. I love that. I, I'm not going to lie, I have been um, battling with my anxiety and depression the past few weeks. But one thing that really kept me calm and chilled, I just kept looking at hamster cages. <laughs> but not just normal hamster cages, like a bougie 
aesthetically <laughs> pleasing hamster cages. I didn't know there was such a thing. Well, because, well of course, of course there is. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. But the question is, do I or do I not get a hamster? That's what I was about to ask you. Do you even have a hamster? No, 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 no. <laughs> no but I mean, do we need? Do I need a hamster to have a hamster cage? Would Maybe be a bit not. weird. <laughs> It. A bit like a dollhouse. Okay, well, that was a nice segue into mental health because there's another reason to be cheerful I wanted to talk about was US gymnast, uh, Olympic champion Simone Biles has just made her return to gymnastics after taking two years out due to her mental health. She took a step back. Good for her. Yeah, and she's come back with a bang. She came first in the competition, a triumphant return. I just think it's a message of sometimes you need to take a step mm-hmm. back. To move 10 steps forward. I think it's really great that we are seeing so publicly someone sharing their mental health journey and showing that it's not the end of the world if you take time out, yes. you know. But I think for disabled people, the biggest fear, and I've felt this, is that we have so few opportunities on the whole that if we say, or the fear is, if we say no, or if we say, well, actually, I'm prioritising my health or mental well-being that you might not be asked back. And what I'll say to anyone who is fearing that, because I definitely felt that, when one door closes, another one will absolutely always open. It might not be instantaneously, but it will happen. So therefore, it is worth investing in yourself. So yeah, well done to her. Well done to Simone. I wholeheartedly agree. Setting boundaries is key. Our guests today are Mike Newman and John Galloway, the co-founders of Speed of Sight, an organisation that provides motorsport experiences for people with disabilities, including sensory, cognitive and physical. In 2001, Mike achieved his first Guinness World Record by riding a motorcycle, gaining the record for the world's fastest blind rider. But that was just the beginning. It's such a pleasure to have both of you with us today. Mike, let's start with you. So I guess many children are obsessed with danger and speed. I I was not one of those children. I was playing with Barbie dolls and cutting their hair. But I guess being blind and having that disability and very similar to myself, being born with my impairment meant that, you know, the, the encouragement was maybe, shall we say, lacking. People weren't very forthcoming with saying that we could achieve. And I I suppose, was that very similar, the narrative that you experienced growing up, that people were rather dismissive when you said that you absolutely wanted to turn your dreams into a reality? When I I saw Mr. Nettle, I was really keen from being about three or four-year-old on cars and powerful high-performance equipment. And uh, I figured out myself that that's something I wasn't going to be able to achieve because I couldn't see. But um, it wasn't until I became uh, later on adult life, in, 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 my, in my late 30s, uh, one day I said to myself, I was getting frustrated, what if I had to go anyway? Okay, I can't see, that's the way, that's not going to change. But what if I found a way of experiencing the, the exhilaration that I've, I feel my disabilities robbed me of? I can find a way of doing that and experience that excitement of being in control of, of, a, of a high performance machine. How wonderful would that be? So I started to change my attitude to rather than just, oh, well, for is me, I can't do it because I can't see, to I'm going to have a go and I'm going to find a way to do it. And once, you, once your mindset changes, uh, and then it starts to take over your life, to be fair. <laughs> and eventually, after a lot of planning and preparation, what I believed I could do, I did. 
and it was absolutely fabulous. What exactly is it about, you know, being on a bike? What is What goes through your body? Obviously, being blind means that you see the world very, very differently and you experience things very differently, but there must be something quite grounding and quite empowering about being on a bike. Can you Can you describe that feeling to us? What I thought and felt was I've got tired of being a passenger and uh, everything that I've achieved, whether it would be in my career or whatever it was in life that I had tried to achieve or attain to, I had to do it within the environment I live in, by you and outside. So it, there was just a way of finding out how it could be done and what we, how we actually did it, both with the motorcycle and the cars, was to have a navigator and my navigator was connected to me via a radio link and over that radio link I'd get directional information and it, we found a simple but effective way of me understanding where I was on the circuit and having an idea of the speeds we wanted to achieve and importantly staying on the track rather than veering off onto the grass and knowing when to stop was pretty wow. important. Well, that is like pure trust, isn't it? Now I don't know. I don't even know who I would be able to trust if I'm completely honest. Can you imagine? Well, I guess you kind of have to be a thrill seeker, don't you? Oh, that's, yeah. that's the main part of it, and, and not upset the person that was navigating. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Make sure that they are your bestest, bestest friend. Um, so, John, how did you begin working with Mike, and what compelled you both to set up Speed of Sight? Well, I, I got to know Mike because, uh, strangely enough, he was my business bank manager. And um, we had a, a very good, friendly um, business relationship. And I, I got to know Mike after he achieved this amazing achievement on the motorcycle, which was incredible. And I was a little bit uh, awestruck because I'm not a very brave guy. I'm definitely not one of those people that do bungee jumps or skydives or, or even ride a bicycle. <laughs> So, so when Mike told me, and I saw the, the, the certificate for myself, that he had just achieved a Guinness World Record driving or riding, there you go, riding a motorcycle on his own, and the, the, the speeds that he was reaching, you know, in practice was up to 100 miles an hour. Wow. Uh, I was absolutely gobsmacked. So finding out from Mike, well, if you've done this in a motorcycle, what more is there to do? Well, what, what are you planning next? And I should never have asked him that question <laughs> because he knew what he wanted to achieve next. And that was to be the fastest blind driver to drive a car solo without anyone alongside him. And I asked him why he hadn't yet done it. And, and as you can appreciate, Mike had a full-time job working as a bank manager at the bank. Um, so there was not much free time to enable him to go off and pull something of this magnitude together. And as, as uh, luck would have it, I was the owner of my own web design marketing business. Uh, so I thought, well, actually, I think I can help in terms of doing some of the project management and, and help to pull this together in our spare time. Um, so my role was, is, is basically the guy behind the scenes uh, who helps to pull together locations, cars, boats, you name it, and get sponsorship to pay for it and try and organize the, the media coverage. The charity came about after I achieved uh, my first record in the car, so 2003. And after that event, I, I met a lot of people that had become struck down with disabilities in adult life, either through illness or accident. And the consequences of these particular disabilities was that they they had to relinquish their driver's license. And 
whilst they're trying to build a new life and trying to find a way forward again in a, in a way that they never thought they'd have to worry about, the constant message I was getting from them was the thing that they missed most was the fact they can't drive anymore. So I knew how, how much I valued the experiences I was getting when I could. So it started me to ponder the idea of how could I get these people back behind the wheel. 11, 12 years later, we work across the country with our special cars, giving the most exciting driving experiences that people can imagine. But what we never thought at the time, or I didn't anyway, was that half the people that we'd be working with and do work with would be children or teenagers. And I would certainly say that the, the, the vast majority of people who do these experiences say it's life-changing, yeah. mm -hmm. um, you know, to do something that the world has told you you'll never be able to do. Um, and once you've achieved that is more than just a driving experience. It's it's changing your whole mindset. If I can do that, then what else is it that I can do that someone's told me I can't? That is certainly one of my questions. Um, I just wanted to ask, how does Speed of Sight work exactly? So it's obviously adapted cars. Yeah, we have our cars are adapted uh, for people with very different differing challenges. So we have the traditional uh, dual control pedals that you'd find in a tuition car or learner car. But our cars have a twin steering system going on as well. So they have two, two steering wheels so that the instructor is able to control the vehicle if required. And depending on what the person who's coming for our driving experience's challenges are, our instructor can assist or as much or as little as required, but at the same time, keep the car safe, keep the people safe, but still give them the, the exhilaration that I've been talking about earlier. I love that. Now, I have a few friends with motorbikes, and I, I personally find it really sexy. And I've always said to them, I just want, I want you just to take me quickly around the block. And none of them have been brave enough. And I understand why, because A... I've got brittle bones, so you know we need to factor that little that little thing into into play. But also because I am under four foot tall, I wouldn't be able to reach the the I don't I don't know the technical terms the bars at the bottom where you've got to reach. However, so this is this is for you two both to work out how are we gonna get me on a motorbike? Well, we might not get you on a motorbike, but we never say never. <laughs> uh, but we certainly can get you racing one of our cars. Oh yes. Tell me where I need to be and when, and I will absolutely be, be there. So explain explain a little bit more about how people can get involved. First of all, you know, what is your website? Where are, What are your social media handles? And also, you know, for anyone who may be listening to this and still is a bit hesitant and thinking, oh, it might not be for me, what what do you, words of encouragement do you have to to maybe just just, just take an interest? Well, we're, we're happy for people to do, we're a bit old-fashioned, we're happy to pick up the phone and talk to people. Uh, <laughs> And also, people who are not sure can come along to our event as a spectator, have a look, we'll see what it's all about, chat to the participants that are taking part that day, chat to the instructors for reassurance, chat to the volunteers. Uh, we're, we're quite uh, relaxed. And uh, to answer your earlier question, if you're serious about getting on the back of a bike, I'm sure we can oh, make yeah. it happen. What I would say, you also asked us about how do they get in contact with us. We do obviously have a website, which is speedofsight.org. Our social media is at Speed of Sight. Um, you have to be mindful that disability can be restricting in terms of social interaction. So our track days are very beautiful. 
Uh, it's bringing people together from all walks of life who sometimes might be isolated at home, who aren't used to being able to access motorsports in the way that they are uh, or the way that they would like to. And on that day, they turn up at a racing circuit not knowing what to expect, probably a little bit apprehensive, probably be a little bit nervous, thinking, am I really going to race a car today? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they meet a group of other like-minded people who all have their own different level of disabilities, doesn't matter whether you're blind, cerebral palsy, autism, had a stroke, uh, epilepsy, the list is endless. Everybody is welcome, regardless of your age, from age seven to age. So far, the oldest is 90. And let me tell you, when each of those individuals have had their driving experience, they don't want to go home. Especially when, like you said, it's the first time that they've, they've been able to get behind a wheel after such a long time or the first time because they thought it wasn't possible before that. In terms of the rules and laws surrounding driving with a disability, like, for example, if you've got, you know, you're blind, you might not be able to drive legally on the road. Because listeners think might think, oh, how how can I do that? Will I be breaking any rules? Is it legal? Yes, it is legal. <laughs> yeah. uh, we are we are we, we are using purpose built and dedicated race tracks. Within that environment, you are allowed to drive a car uh, without a driver's license. However, our vehicles always go out with a trained instructor, so we do our best to uh, and uh, to keep people very safe. They understand what they got to do. Um, and they talk, we talk them through it before they set off. Uh, and as I said earlier, the instructor can help as much or as little as required to make sure that they get the most interactive time uh, whilst, they're on, whilst they're on track. And we get many people, once they've come once, they come time and time again. So it's, we don't restrict them to one, one session. They want to come again and again and again, which happens many times. We make them very welcome. We actually have a nickname for them, right, don't we? What do we call them? We call them our repeat offenders. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what I want you to imagine, let's take blindness for one second. You're blind, you're in the car. I'm bearing in mind, I can't stress enough, it isn't just about blindness. It's all a large array of different disabilities. But let's use blindness for this example. You're now sat in the racing seat of a real racing car. You've got the, the brakes, the accelerator, you've got the steering wheel, you're in full control of this car, and you're thinking, I can't see. You're, you're sat alongside a fully trained instructor, him or her, and they too have the same controls that you now have, but they also have a steering wheel. So our cars have two steering wheels. So you're sat alongside the instructor, and the instructor will say, more power, more power, more power, or brake, 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 or left, 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 right, right, right. And if you're not steering enough to the right to stay on the circuit, then the instructor will be able to do that with their steering wheel. And if you're not braking enough or accelerating, then the instructor can also do that. So together as a team, you will have the most unimaginable driving experience that the world has told you you'd never be able to have. That's amazing. Just need to work out my left from my right, though, because I still <laughs> sometimes get a little bit confused with that one. Don't get it wrong on the track, Sam. Don't get it wrong on the track. It's all right. I'm not going to be on my own, so be fine. True. Mike, you were awarded the British Empire Medal for services to people with disabilities. Congratulations. That's amazing. 
obviously we're talking about why people who take part find this like a life-changing experience. I mean, that's just amazing to know you're touching people in that way and that you've just changed their view and just, you know, given them these experiences that they'll just remember forever. So you can just tell us a bit about that, please. The charitable work that we do uh, is probably the most uh, humbling but the most rewarding project I've ever been involved in. I knew people would enjoy it. I didn't quite understand how much they would enjoy it. And we've never we've we've never turned anybody away. One day we're at a, we're at a circuit, and this young man comes along, and he's got quite a lot of challenges in life. So yes, he's a wheelchair user, but he also has to use a, a mobile respirator. Uh, now this wasn't a thing we haven't come across before, uh, but we got him in we got him in his hoist, and we hoisted him into the vehicle. We made sure that his respirator was strapped down securely, and he drove the car for the first time in his life, and. Uh, we were all very proud, lots of tears, as you can imagine. <laughs> and we often have tears of joy in the spirit of sight. Uh, and we have a, we're a very happy charity. Uh, everyone uh, goes home with hearts as light as a feather. I mean, I would say, without any doubt, not is it just life-changing for the individuals that have the experience. Uh, we can do what we do without volunteers, and I don't mean to make that corny. It is true. It, this has an amazing ripple effect. You know, the, the loved ones that witness their family individuals having their experience are equally as touched as the instructors who have volunteered to help that person navigate around the circuit, the other volunteers helping to get people in and out of cars, on hoists, the hospitality crew meeting and greeting the families. It's life-changing for all of us, and it really is inspiring. Speed of sight, thinking about it, is very similar in a way to mobility in the sense that it offers independence and freedom in terms of like getting out and about in a car. And I know, um, Mike, you're a mobility customer. Um, I, I am a mobility customer. I have been for now uh, probably 11, 12 years. And mobility as an organisation have been extremely supportive uh, for me as a client. To, they even allowed me to uh, fit a tow bar to my present car so that my wife is able to take me and our trailer to all parts of the UK. And that is such a big help to us, uh, to have that vehicle working hard and not help, not only helping me as a multability client, but helping lots of other people with disabilities. I mean, even my mother had a mobility vehicle for about 15 years, bless her. And uh, yeah, multability are doing an amazing function helping people be mobile incredible we didn't even pay them to say that did we <laughs> no we didn't hey well that was that was organic wasn't it and um, mike you seem like someone who is always looking for the next thing just to give him that spark of life is it have you got anything else up your sleeve is there anything else you want to tick off your list or do you or is this is this okay for now are you like you know you've you've done a you've done your dues or I, I feel like there's a twinkle there. There's like, there's like, no, look at that smile. He's like, nah, I'm not done. I've started tentative conversation. <laughs> with a guy that's building a very, very fast and powerful boat. Wow. Oh, trains, wow. automobiles, automobiles. All of it. <laughs> Can you get a turbo on my power wheelchair as well? Just fit that one in. Um, so before we let you gentlemen leave, we have a bit of a. Uh, uh, tradition, uh, tradition. that's the word I was yeah. looking for. 
tradition. So we'd love for you to come up with a question that we can pass on to our next guest. We can't tell you who the next guest is because it is top secret. We will have to kill you if we told you that. Um, but it could be anything. It can be, what is your favourite ice cream? Or it can be, you know, what is your favourite car? Because, hey, it is a Motability Lifestyle podcast. I know. I'm guessing your your guests uh, are sympathetic and understand the fabulous work that Motivability does and the freedom that they provide to your clients. My question, if John might have one as well, but my question might be, uh, what would it be like to drive a car with a blindfold? Wow. I love that's a really good question. We do do that with uh, some of our corporate supporters. Love it. So they get to experience... Experience what the experience yeah. is like. Mine's probably going to be a little bit more simpler. Who inspires you and why? Deep. Love it. <laughs> so our, the question from our previous guest was, if you had to choose a superpower, what would it be? Ah, well, when I was little, now you may not know this, but you might, I'm a bit older than you guys. But when I was little, I used to enjoy the Bionic Man. And I always wanted his eye. Oh, there, yeah. I never thought, yes. Um, I, do you remember bananas in pajamas? Don't know why. Don't know where that came from, but there you go. Well, actually, I was a big fan of the Six Million Dollar Man. To be fair, and I wish I could have his speed. There you go. Well, there jump in go. one of the cars, and you do. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> Mine's a bit naff now, Banana Man. <laughs> <laughs> so the oh, challenge yeah. is out there for you, ladies. We'd love to get you into one of our cars at some oh, point. Oh, we'd love we'd to. Love absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. It's really great chatting to you. And, yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch if we, we get to have a, <laughs> an experience in one of the cars. Yeah. But no, thank you. <laughs> We're not self-centred in any way. No, that's brilliant. Thank you. Sam, what time is it? It's Culture with Matt. <laughs> so Matt, what are we here with today? So today we are talking about tips for saving fuel and keeping keeping fuel costs low. So basically one of the things that, that I come across a lot in uh, the scheme is people either get new cars and aren't expecting that actually that car uses more fuel than their previous one and suddenly they're surprised by the increased fuel costs and obviously no one needs that in their life uh, and even things like courtesy cars sometimes people need courtesy cars because there's an issue with their car and suddenly they can't afford to run it um, so it's a problem so there's there's certain things that people can do to help kind of reduce those costs and spend that money on much more interesting and exciting things like um, gadgets exactly yeah like gadgets we'll come to that we'll get to that um, so yeah so I thought I'd, I'd run through a few things that might help might help keep those bills low I mean the first thing is obviously actually to think about when you're choosing your car that's the first time where you can do something to reduce that cost so the first thing to consider if you are conscious of keeping your fuel bills low is the actual size of the car you're ordering it is nice to have a big car and lots of people do need a big car Does which is matter? fine <laughs> i mean it does if you want to get a a, a scooter in the boot <laughs> of course. but but outside of that who am i to say uh, <laughs> So some people will need a bigger car. But if you don't, it's worth considering whether actually a smaller car might be more suitable. And the reason for that is, and I am generalising here, uh, smaller cars are generally lighter and generally more aerodynamic and therefore use less fuel. So that's the first way. Uh, the second thing to think about is how that car is powered. So whether you're going for like a petrol engine, diesel or a hybrid. So if you do a lot of your mileage around town, it might be worth you looking at a hybrid car because they actually do very well in stop-start journeys, whereas petrol and diesel cars don't like that so much especially if you're doing lots of short journeys uh, you know think about how you use your car um one of the ways that you can see how sort of fuel efficient a car is every car has an mpg rating 
So miles per gallon. That's so, sorry, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> miles per gallon. So what that means is how many miles you can drive on a gallon of fuel. It's a very weird measurement because in the UK, for some reason, we, we mix and match with imperial metric. So I don't know what a gallon is, but I know what a mile is. Mm. And I know what a litre is, but I don't really know what a kilometre is. I don't so. know what any of it is, so I'm... Um... I'm out on this one. It's more of a just rough guide. So a car might say, oh, it will do 50 miles per gallon. And in the real world, it does 40. But it's a good rough guide to start with. You can look at car reviews or look at people online, forums. People will tell you what they're getting in, in the real world. So, um, so once you've sort of chosen a car that's suitable and useful, the next thing you can do is moderate the way you drive. There are quite a few things you can do to oh. save fuel. Oh. Unfortunately, unfortunately, none of them involve driving in, a, in an erratic, exciting, lunatic way. Oh. But <laughs> they all involve being a bit sensible Spoil and a bit gentle. All um, but yeah, the, the first, um, and, and it's quite an obvious one, I guess, is being gentle with the accelerator. It actually makes quite a big difference. When you're accelerating, if you accelerate gently, it uses a lot less fuel than sort of stamping on the accelerator or grabbing that accelerator and, and rocketing up to the limit before so you slow down. It might be worth investing in a therapist and meditation <laughs> and yoga Absolutely. retreats just yeah. to combat that then. Yeah, don't drive angry. Uh, the next thing is is just anticipating, which is which is useful in just all aspects of driving. It, it, it improves road safety if you're kind of anticipating what's ahead and thinking about what's going to happen. Um, but the reason that saves you fuel is if you can see that lights are changing ahead of you or if you can see there's a roundabout coming up, just backing off the accelerator and coasting rather than accelerating right until you get to the red light and then slamming on the brake that saves you quite a lot of fuel uh, and I'm amazed how often I'm in cars with people and you can see the traffic lights ahead of red and they've still got their foot on the accelerator I'm like what are you doing you're going to have to stop you're just burning fuel literally burning money well not literally burning money <laughs> well, burning fuel which is money it's um, a little bit like when I go on a train and we get the ramp out and then people like are clamouring over me to get on the train <laughs> what's the rush? It's like, the train ain't going anywhere until I'm on with my wheelchair so there's no need everyone's in a rush which is uh yeah sort of the opposite of the theme of today i'm afraid uh but the next one speaking of everyone being in a rush we should all abide by the speed limit of course we should of course there are some people who don't necessarily but that is an area on a long distance drive where you can save a lot of fuel so um the difference between driving 60 miles an hour and 70 miles per hour uh is actually quite a big difference you'd save about 10 percent it takes about 10 percent more fuel to drive at 17 than it does at 60 obviously this is a rough estimate but where there's a bigger jump is between 70 and 80 so the faster you go the harder it is for your car to punch a hole through the air um, so the difference between 70 and 80 can be as much as 25 percent so you could be using an extra 25 percent of fuel to go 80 rather than 70 which no one should of course be of doing course. and i'm sure no one does are there any kind of like tips so and i see people put like covers over the wind mm. shield you know to keep the insulation in or even because we were talking uh last time about gadgets and um you know heated seats and so on which are all amazing but do these little bits and bobs and, and gadgets do they add to what we're spending on a car or are they neither here nor there no that is uh, that is a valid point so air conditioning does it, it puts an additional strain on the engine and that will use more fuel windows down. It's, yeah so if you can get by windows down great the the final bit on that is long distance driving cruise control is very useful generally only on the motorway um if you can set your cruise control that's helpful because it keeps your car at a constant speed rather than slowing down, speeding up, slowing down, speeding up. And that's not good for fuel economy. What we really need is AI technology to anticipate how good or bad a driver we are. <laughs> well, fingers crossed that'll be coming soon. Um, I guess the final couple of things to consider are um, most sat-navs now will have an option to, rather than go the fastest route necessarily, to save fuel. So they'll take you a, a route that might be actually 
save you a bit of money on, on, on sort of nice. petrol, diesel, whatever, which is quite useful. And the other thing to bear in mind is unnecessary weight. People often leave loads of stuff in their car or leave a roof box on. Obviously, some people need those things all the time, and that's fine. But if you aren't using them, carrying weight or roof boxes, things like that, that, that will cost you. Uh, and the final one, which thankfully Motability customers don't have to worry about too much, is maintenance. Just so getting your car serviced when you're supposed to get it serviced will help make sure it's running as it should and that will save you fuel tire pressures that's that's a big one if your tires are underinflated or overinflated so that can affect fuel economy service don't we every now and then <laughs> even i do <laughs> to keep you running the- well, what's oh, next gadget what's our gadget, gadget? it sounds favorite. my favorite right. bit let's get back gadgets gadgets all right today i'm i'm, I'm afraid so i'm going for a sensible one today oh but don't worry i've got an exciting one for the next week next okay, week cool. so one of the problems some people face is parking their car on their drive when you've got to park up against your house or a garage a lot of people need to go in forwards because they need to get a wheelchair out the back or a scooter out the back or whatever so they need to drive in forwards now while a lot of cars come with rear parking sensors as standard not so many have front parking sensors as standard so you have that kind of gamble of am i close enough am i not close enough there's a couple of fixes for this but i think the simplest one is you can buy a couple of little rubber curbs and what you can do is you can once you've got your car somewhere where you're happy that with the distance you can just sort of drop those in front of your front wheels next time you drive on you just hit that little bumper oh, and you know you're not going to hit your house like, they're, oh they're only like oh okay fair not enough. they're not it's not like, like some neon yellow no no it's not some big ungainly it's just like a little oh, black cool. yeah. and they stay on your yeah drive. you can just sort of leave them on your drive oh you can pick them up and put them in the boot oh. if you if you want to get rid of yeah, them yeah, but yeah. um yeah that's useful because my mum mm. i she's got a driveway and i drive up her driveway when i'm dropping her home and yeah, yeah i always think oh my too close am i gonna go through exactly. like the garage doors there so, are yeah. fancier fancier methods but i quite like the good old-fashioned reliability of hitting a lump of rubber yeah. Um, but you can get ones that you stick on a wall and it has a sensor and there'll be a light so you put the light at the height where you can see it oh. and it will go from green to amber to red when you've got to stop so that like is that is an option if you want a more high tech version more. <laughs> <laughs> I agree I, <laughs> I thought that was interesting I'm going to go and buy one or two I'm, I'm, slowly, I'm slowly winning over Sophie <laughs> that is it for this episode of the motability lifestyle pod thank you to our guests mike newman and john galloway and of course our car expert matt lismore thanks to our producer yolene goffin at rethink audio and our editorial assistant lucy rhodes at wonderly if you like this episode follow us tell your friends and please leave us a review if you want to tell us what you thought or if there's something you'd like to hear come and say hello on instagram For behind-the-scenes content, follow us on TikTok and watch the full video on YouTube. You can find us on motability underscore lifestyle underscore mag. Finally, if you want more information about the Motability Scheme, go to motability.co.uk. Or if you want to learn more about Motability, the charity, visit motability.org.uk. And that's it. I'm Sophie Marie Odom. And I'm Samantha Rink. See you all in two weeks. Bye.